Goes back and scores! Brady Leibold goes back and forth behind the net, comes out the right side and lifts the backhander up and in. Leibold right here on Dillon. Dillon comes back with a right of his own. Here's Leibold uppercut. Another right by Leibold. Now he got another fight. Brady Leibold got the right hand pumping on Tony Madden. Up and over top and trying to control him as Leibold's got that jackhammer right going. Throwing a lot off the helmet. Now Tony Madden answering. But Leibold switched to left and he got a few more in there. Oh, you got to be loving this if you're at the Civic Center. Welcome back, everyone, to another edition of Hockey to Heroin, The Road to Recovery. This is episode number 11. Uh, Once again, this episode is proudly brought to you by Team Issued Limited. Team Issued is connecting all walks of life. Team Issued does this by recreating that special feeling of being part of something bigger, a community for all, striving towards the same goal. Uh, Once again, guys, I'm going to say it. Head over to www.teamissued.ca. Check out the hats, the clothing. It's a WHL alumni, Jesse Paradise, former Kelowna Rocket teammates of mine's company. Uh, Their clothing is actually so nice, guys. Uh, I'm expecting a package in the mail any minute. I've been tracking it for the last week. Uh, Can't wait to get my hands on it. Uh, Head over to their website. Use promo code TOEDRAG15 to get 15% off. That's my only move, my go-to of the TOEDRAG. Other than that, I'll probably fight you. Um, I have no other moves as everybody that... I played with will tell you so toe drag 15 to get 15 percent off uh please check it out um once again i want to remind you guys that i signed on to the hockey podcast network a few days ago uh they produce tales with tr terry ryan's podcast um uh, they have 31 other podcasts uh, one for each team in the nhl guys uh please check it out follow them on twitter at hockey podnet uh really excited guys i last night uh, was my inaugural episode in the matt lashinsky studio uh, like I said, it's unfinished, uh, but I'm sitting in it again, uh, still in the same spot I was yesterday. Just insulation, vapor barrier, you know, an old chicken coop. It still doesn't smell very good in here, but this is the second episode in it. Uh, Matt Lashinsky, uh, like I said uh, yesterday, and I've been saying uh, I didn't know him personally, uh, but he was a second round pick to the Sioux Greyhounds out here in the OHL. Uh, and he lost his battle with addiction a few years ago. And uh, when I found out about his story, I decided to create this studio, uh, name it in his honor. Um, and actually, I've, uh, you know, I tagged his sister who I've never spoken to or his mom. Like, I don't know the family. Uh, I found out from a story from a new friend of mine, Matt Thompson, who was really good friends with him. He sent me 150 bucks last week to chimp in for uh, materials for the studio. Uh, the studio and that which was great um and since then uh i'm happy to say that uh, matt's mom has commented uh on my facebook uh, just stating what an honor and uh, i'm looking forward to having a conversation with her later um uh, just great you know uh, don't want to forget about him don't want to forget about anybody because i feel very fortunate to make it out the other side uh, a lot of a lot of people are not that lucky uh, and i'm very fortunate so we're not going to forget about any of these people and uh uh, very proud to be sitting here in the Matt Lashinsky studio. Um, other than that, guys, um, let's get right into this episode. I I uh, still can't even believe this guy's on the other end here. Uh, I've been promoting it a little bit on my Facebook. Uh, he really needs no introduction. But uh, before I introduce him, let's go down a little bit uh, 
a little bit of his resume. Um, once again, uh, like a lot of my guests, he's a former Swift Current Bronco, a Bronco alumni. This guy was the captain of the Broncos for the 89 Memorial Cup winning team. Uh, he was there uh, during the 86 bus crash, a very unfortunate event. Uh, the retired numbers, 8, 9, 11, 22, the four Memorial Broncos trophy, obviously. Um, this guy was drafted by the Detroit Red Wings. Uh, he played for the Detroit Red Wings, uh, the Boston Bruins, and the Calgary Flames. Um, he's maybe more known for his strength and his courage for coming out and uh, speaking the truth about what happened to him uh, during his time playing in Swift Current. Uh, you know, he rollerbladed across Canada in 1998 to raise money and awareness. And I remember that as a kid. Uh, I was 11 years old. and. Um, you know, going through some of the same stuff that he went through and which I haven't talked about, which I'm, I will today, um, you know, aside from just looking up to him as a hockey player, even when I got to Swift Kern, his names were all over the walls. This guy was not just your average hockey player. This guy in 175 games had 134 goals, 153 assists, 287 points in 175 Western League games. Uh, world junior gold medalist man he's a chl memorial cup champion member of the memorial cup all-star team whl second all-star team like i said the captain of the the memorial cup winning swift current broncos uh, calder cup champ uh, and an order of canada for his strength and courage sheldon kennedy thank you thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy schedule for being with me today man how you doing, Brady? Oh, Sheldon, man, I, uh, you know, I'm doing really well. Thank you for asking. Uh, it's been a crazy 10 years. Um, you and I don't know each other. Uh, um, you know, I reached out to you last week and um, I was thrilled that you even liked one of my tweets. And, and then you sent me a message saying, you know, um, get in contact with, uh, your representative Natalie, who I've been speaking to, which has been great. She's been uh, very helpful and uh, just um, coordinating this. Sheldon, uh, I know you have lots on the go. You've been busy for these last years. You've gone through so much. I mean, it's been so public. Um, what are you doing these days, Sheldon? Where are you at? How are you doing? Well, I'm doing all right. I mean, uh, you know, we have uh, we have a little guy, like uh, we have a little son, and uh, he's uh, 20 months, so. He's, I'm, I'm full-time, uh, you know, play, 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 play toy, maybe, I guess, um, you know, with him That's and, it's, awesome. and it's, you know, what a, what a gift to be able to, uh, what a gift, I think, to be able to actually have a child and, and be sober for, you know, a significant, uh, amount of time and, uh, you know, maybe, maybe go at things that you wish you would have, uh, been able to do differently. Um, you know, I have a daughter also that's 24. So, um, you know, some things that were, you know, fairly, you know, things that I needed to deal with things that I wasn't real proud of, uh, when I raised her, especially, you know, being in addiction and stuff, you know, being able to do that again. But, uh, for the most part, I mean, we farm actually in Saskatchewan and we're just in the process of, uh, starting the seed. We, uh, we, we got the, the air drill in the ground, uh, just to start a last week. So uh, we'll be heading out to the farm here uh, from Calgary um, tomorrow. 
and uh, it's seeding time. So you know that's kind of what we do. And then on on the other hand, we uh, we have a business called Respect Respect uh, in Sport Respect Group, and uh, we train we've trained over a million four hundred thousand people across the country on abuse, bullying, harassment, and discrimination. We we have reached we have started that business uh, basically uh, eighteen years ago and. And uh, we've uh, we educate and try to give a confidence and a language uh, for coaches, parents, uh, school teachers, workplaces across this country around the issues of abuse, bullying, harassment, discrimination, and neglect, and their legal and moral responsibilities around that. And uh, you know, and try to empower the bystander because our belief is that the majority of people are good people and want to do the right thing, but they just don't know what it is. So. That's kind of what keeps us busy, and I think right now with the coronavirus, um, you know, my other half is uh, Jen is a is a doctor, so you know we're we're here supporting her. She's full on, um, you know, with with the hospital and and people that really need our help. And you know, my hats off to every frontline worker across this country and around the world that are, you know, jumping in and and trying to save lives and. And uh, so, you know, that's kind of what we're doing, trying to support her and, and others and their colleagues. And, and uh, yeah, and that's kind of what I do. And I think, but the most important thing, Brady, is I think that I try to make sure every day that I put my, set myself up for success because I've learned that if Sheldon Kennedy isn't healthy, uh, I'm not very good to anybody else around me. So I need to make sure that that's my number one, pri number one priority no matter what. Uh, well, I think that, you know, it's, it sounds so simple, but in reality, it's, it's sometimes it's not. And uh, it, it hasn't been for me. But before we go any further, yes, uh, I too want to say thank you to all the frontline workers. My dad's a retired firefighter, but uh, my aunt's a retired nurse. Uh, she's actually back at work in the hospitals uh, because of this and um, doing everything she can. And obviously, you said your wife is. So thank you to Jen. Um, I know they're working hard. Those people are working tirelessly. It's, it's a trying time, uh, unprecedented time, unprecedented times, really. And, uh, you know, I think, um, you know, as a country, I think we're doing the best we can. And uh, without these people like Jen and people like my aunt, I mean, where would we be really? Um, uh, but getting getting to uh, the things that you do, Sheldon, uh, I, you said 18 years. It's wow, has it been that long? You know, I'm only 33. Um, well, I'll be 33 in August, but, uh, you know, 18 years. So that's incredible. You must have, you, I can't imagine how many lives you, you've touched. Uh, you've touched mine in, in ways that, you know, I'm sure many people may have told you or whatever, but uh, I want to share a story right with you right now, and I hope that's okay. Um, so uh, I never said anything to anybody uh, until I was about 26. Well, that's not true. So I got to go back. Um, the very first time I said anything, I was in grade eight, and I'll, I'll come back to that. But the first time I was really uh, honest about what happened Um I was about 26 years old and uh, I told my girlfriend at the time what had happened. And uh, I was like four and five years old, uh, somebody close to the family, um, uh, like a family reunion type thing, you know, took advantage of a situation that I didn't understand. And, um, you know, it happened a couple of times, uh, vaguely, vaguely remember it. Um, but I remember stuffing it down and I remember just being scared after uh, and confused after. So coming back to my point in grade eight, um, 
I had a, a girlfriend, uh, my girlfriend all through high school, and I haven't talked to her for a number of years, but I'd be curious as to if she remembers this. Um, I remember sitting on the couch around New Year's Eve. I think it was New Year's Eve in grade eight. And I looked at her and I said, Natalia, I'm gay. And she looked at me and she said, what? And I said, yeah. And she said, you're, you're full of shit. Like, what do you mean? I'm like, no, like I'm gay. Like, I'm pretty sure I'm gay. Like, you know, and like the look on her face and whatever, she thought I was kind of joking. And like, I kind of laughed it off and we kind of just forgot. I'm I'm just joking. So going back to that, I am not gay. I'm not homosexual. Um, There's nothing wrong with that. I have friends who are, but at that time I was confused. So because that had happened to me from a, an older gentleman, um, my understanding of it as a child was that I was gay. I couldn't tell anybody at that time. If I tell anybody, what the hell are any, what's people going to think of me? Um, what are, you know, as what are kids going to say? Cause kids are cruel. Um, what are my family members going to say? You know, uh, all this stuff. And it was a confusing time. Um, I remember when you rollerbladed across Canada, um, and you came out with your story and let me, pause for a second and say thank you uh, for doing that. Um, For so many people, Sheldon, uh, I know you know how many people that you might have an idea of how many people you've helped because as you've said, it's been almost 20 years. Um, But I remember specifically at that time uh, having some of those feelings and these flashbacks of confusion and not really understanding what it was. And, uh, you know, being able to see another hockey player, um, I think, uh, I think as a hockey player, I needed to see another hockey player as a kid, um, to make me feel okay with it. Um, so uh, I, man, I, I don't even know how to, to put it into words. Um, you know, uh, this is something that I haven't really dealt with. Uh, my girlfriend now, Taylor, I've talked to her about it a little bit. Um, I've talked to a few people. I've tried talking to my parents about it, but, um, my mom was almost at the point where she didn't want to believe me or whatever, when I tried to tell her about it years ago. So I never really brought it up since. And I just kind of want to know if you don't mind Sheldon, I know it must be hard because it's hard for me. And what you went through is, is fucking a, a way worse. Um, in my opinion, I, I don't know if you gauge it, what's worse because it's all horrible, but, um, how, like, how have you been dealing with it? And what was like the number one thing? Because man, like I'm still, de- it's still hard. Well, uh, Brady, I, uh, I, I appreciate your honesty and, and then your trust in, uh, you know, in, in disclosing your your uh you know your your abuse and 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 i think that sometimes we well i know for me and i'll speak for me um but you know i know for like i would always blame myself that i i must have done something to deserve this it's my fault why can't i do anything to stop this um i don't know why i feel the way i feel and i mean you know like when i told my story it was uh you know, in 19, basically 1996. And, uh, you know, that's, uh, you know, that's a 24 years ago. And, uh, uh, you know, and and Graham was charged in 97, and I rollerbladed across the country in 98. So, you know, when I, 
I mean, back in that, and you were 11 at that time, we knew nothing about these issues. We knew absolutely nothing. We barely talked about mental health. We definitely didn't want to talk about addiction. We didn't want to talk about any of it. And and I think that, you know, it's confusing. And I, w I kept wanting to believe that when I would wake, I was going to wake up one day and I'd feel normal. And the reality is, is, is it, 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 that wasn't going to happen. And what I've learned over the years, uh, Brady, is that, you know, the incident might be different, the time, the place, the person, the length of time, whatever. Um, but what I do know is that the impact, the impact left by uh, abuse is, is huge. And the impact of trauma is huge. I mean, the number one contributor to, you know, addiction and mental health and depression and anxiety a lot of times is, is uh, events that have happened in childhood. So, you know, to me, I mean, we at the, Shel the you know, the former Sheldon Kennedy Child Advocacy Center, which I, I have recently taken my name off just to, you know, be more present with my family. But, um, you know, we were doing 150 in investigations a month. And this is, the, you know, the, the research shows us that, you know, Kids that have been abused are 30% higher dropout rates in high school, 15 times more likely to, to uh, attempt suicide. Uh, uh, you know, 80% of individuals in detox and treating treatment centers uh, have disclosed early childhood abuse. And I mean, the list goes on, right? Like the list goes on. I actually have a Sheldon. I actually have a few more um, because I I did a little bit of research, and the the one that sticks out for me. Um, I mean, they all do. That's so I didn't want to cut you off, but the one says abused kids are 26 times more likely to end yeah. up on the streets, 30% less likely to graduate, 72% less likely, or 72% of detox patients abuse the kids, 80% of those in, with mental health uh, suffered abuse. And these are from uh, uh, stories that you've done. And, um, but I mean, I never in a million years thought I would end up on the streets, but I was homeless on Hastings in Vancouver yeah. for seven months. Um, and yes, there's a, a combination of things leading up to it, but you saying that, yes, you're, you know, I thank you for saying that because, uh, you know, you saying that, you know, the length of time or whatever, um, you know, that, that doesn't, it matters, but it doesn't matter in the fact that, um, the damage is done and the way that your brain, uh, maybe, uh, develops differently as you were saying, or, and, uh, that really helps me understand a little bit more of maybe why I went down the road I did and why I was so angry and why nobody knew. And, uh, you know, why it's like, you know, people are always like, Oh, you could have, you know, you should have been, uh, an NHL hockey player. You're that good, but I could never hold it together. I mean, I was a disaster, like even in junior. And was that like, obviously you were going through, um, the worst of it, uh, through your junior career. Were you drinking a lot when you were in Swift Current? Well, I think, you know, Brady, like, I, I totally understand what you just talked about. I mean, the shame and the guilt of not being our best. Like, I've never lifted a weight or rode a bike in my life, um, you know, ever. I smoked a pack and a half of cigarettes a day, drank basically every day. Somehow I made it to the NHL. I don't know how, but I did. But I think at the end of the day, I carried a ton of shame and guilt and anger. And I think, yes, 
yes, things happened to Sheldon that were, you know, devastating. They were, you know, very traumatic for a lo long period of time. But what that did was set Sheldon up to live a life where I, I live, I had to live a, a certain way running from my demons and I just kept piling on the shame and this guilt and, and everything else. And so I think, you know, what, what we're talking about is that I think, you know, what you talk about and the way that you lived, um, you know, and ending up in the streets. I mean, to me, you know, knowing a little bit about your story, Brady, I mean, it doesn't seem, it doesn't seem like it seems normal. Like that would be a normal path for you to, to travel on knowing, you know, kind of what's going on in your life. And, and, uh, and I think for me, you know, the shame and guilt that came with, you know, not being my best, not giving myself a chance. And I mean, my junior career was a gong show. It was a joke. And uh, yes, drinking. I mean, I started, you know, I was first arrested at 16 and it never stopped until I got sober. And, uh, you know, I lived, uh, I lived a life wanting to die. And that's the way I lived. I lived reckless. I lived uh, scared. I lived, you know, I didn't want anybody to get close to me because if they got really close to me, um, they might know what's what's really going on with Sheldon. And I felt I felt that everybody around the situation knew something was wrong and nobody was doing anything. So maybe it's me that uh, uh, you know, maybe it's me that has this all twisted out of proportion, but. Uh, it's very confusing for a young person and you know and I think I really had to get to the place of acceptance and and I had to stop fighting because uh, it was killing me and you know I, I've been to those places Brady I, I you know I wasn't on the street I mean I may as well have been but you know I've been in the psych wards I've been in psych wards and long-term mental health lockdown treatment center like I've been in like many addiction treatment centers uh, spent some time in jail for blowing probation because of drinking in Detroit. And, you know, I've been in those institutions. And I think the only thing left for me was, was death. And somehow I made it out of it. And sadly, and, and I look at, I was able to make it out of it. And I had support from the NHLPA. And we had, I had support from a lot of people to try to help me get out of this thing. And I can't imagine those people that don't have those supports and I mean that's why we end up losing a lot of people. we lose a lot of people you know death death by suicide and, and you know or whatever it might be uh, because you know there there is no way for them to get the help that they need and and that I think is what it keeps driving me because you know the stories that I've heard for the past, you know, 26 years, I mean, the disclosures are in the thousands, uh, and you know, and and stories are different, but the impact is the same. The way it impacts people, and, and ultimately, it's killing killing people. Yeah, I mean, I talked about it uh, with my uh, with Brent Sopel, and I've touched on it a little bit in in past podcasts. Uh, um, you know, you mentioned you went to jail and, you know, I've done three years at two different times in jail. Um, I said it yesterday when I was yesterday, when I was talking to Brent, like I was a rescue, like an SPCA rescue when I went to jail, because 
if I didn't get picked up, I, I would have been dead for sure. I came out and all these people that I knew were dead from fentanyl overdoses. And, um, you know, and then sure enough, I, you know, I died on my mom's lawn and luckily they Narcan me back to life like uh, four days after I got out of jail. And then that's when I moved out to Ontario or whatever. So, um, but the addiction side of things, like, you know, like I just remember having like, you know, it was just such a release. Um, and hockey did that for me for a long, long time. Um, I think that's really what drove me to like play hockey. If I, if I look back at it now, like, yes, I loved it. Um, but I was a horrible kid. Like um, I used to, you know, I was swearing at the ref, um, you know, as a kid, uh, like throwing my stick at my dad. Like I remember I'll tell a story. So like my dad bought, my dad was a single dad fireman, whatever, and uh, did everything he could for me. And uh, I remember we went to this store, a hockey store, shop or whatever and there's a stick like a christian remember yeah. those sticks the christians and i had the big old big old curve on it of course that was the cool thing i was in like first year adam i believe i was like nine or ten and uh just had to have it well my dad's like oh i can't afford it da, 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 da. so i throw a huge fucking fit anyways we leave and my dad had to work the next day or whatever and we had a game that night well he ends up making it to the game just before. And of course he's coaching too. Um, but I had to get a ride with somebody else. And what does he show up with? But this stick five minutes before the game. So I'm all happy, whatever. So I go out, warm up. I come over the blue line. And like when I was 10, I had a, I had a, for I think a 10 year old, I could really shoot. Like, you know, like you probably could too. There's always like one or two on every team. Well, I, any, anyways, I just, sailed one like right over the glass and i came over to the bench and i just fucking wound up and threw this stick right at my dad's ankles and like well he was on the bench coaching like and i'm like nine or ten years old you know and not knowing um you know but i just look back at these things and the anger and um i remember like i said i use hockey as an outlet like just putting on my rollerblades by myself um getting out on that front street and pretending like other kids may have been doing that for fun or whatever, but I was doing that to get out of my head to escape those images, like uh, that confusion of what happened to me and the, the threats that the guy made to me. If you say this, this is going to happen. And you know, like, I, you know, I'm writing a book and a lot of the stuff I'm saving for my book, like to go into detail about it. We don't need to go into details about it. it there's no point in doing it here. Um, the fact of the matter is, um, is like, oh man, I just, it's, it's still really hard for me to talk about. And, uh, yeah, I just, I just want to say thank you again, because, you know, there's nobody, I don't think there's nobody in the world that I could have this conversation with other than you. And I mean that, um, uh, you know, and I, I, you know, what you did, uh, Sheldon is incredible. I mean, you were named the Order of Canada. There is not a higher honor for a civilian. Uh, you were a hell of a hockey player. Uh, you say your junior career was a gong show. I believe it. So was mine. Um, I can only imagine what yours was like. You guys had that horrible bus crash. And um, from the reports, I know you were sitting with Joe Sackick on the bus and you guys made it out. And, you know, I can't imagine why, why, why did we live and 
and not them and all the shits plus all that other stuff's happening to you like sheldon um the fact that you made it out alive and you made it through and um i know you went to rehab in 2004 is that correct and you've been clean since uh, right yeah, i've been well i went to, I, I went to rehab uh basically my first year at 20 and uh yeah i got i got sober i've been sober i just picked up my 15 year chip this year so yeah wow congratulations thought, man that is so incredible Rick, i never would have thought i'll tell you that i mean you know and and you know and, and as far as the order of canada yeah i mean an absolute huge honor but i think the way i look at that is to me our fight was to have the issues that we represented recognized um at that level when we started doing this work nobody wanted to talk about these the issues of abuse i mean this never happened anywhere and the problem is i think Mm-hmm. is that the majority of these cases, I mean, most of the cases that we investigate, you know, 50% of these cases happen in the home. 98% of the investigations happen from somebody that the child knows, right? So why I think there's such a amount of anger and confusion is because of trust. And, you know, we, we trusted these adults we trusted family we were told to trust our teachers and our coaches and our we grew up trusting them and then that trust was groomed you know and played on and then betrayed and as a kid uh and i think that for me i lived my life very in a very lonely place because i never let anybody close to me and uh because i wouldn't trust them because anybody that was close to me they hurt me and and uh so one of the biggest things is you know and i think part of my recovery was to take the risk to try to let people into my life again because i can't live my life on the outside looking in in relationships whether they're male to male friend relationships or whether they're you know intimate relationships with jen you know my my wife and and even my kids right and i had to work i have to work on that all the time Brady that is something that I have to practice every day all the time because you know I I have that guard up and as a kid your protective protective mechanisms just go up to not let anybody close to you so it's like you know the anger that my anger used to come out of me like I was like angry 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 and you know and I think one of the best yeah, I mean, one of the things that, that has helped me the most um, with, you know, the abuse. I mean, I remember going to a treatment center and I thought, ah, frick, you know, I'll, I'll talk about the abuse. And, uh, you know, and, I, and it was the first time I dealt with it. And I was in treatment for like nine months. And I felt I dealt with the abuse a lot. And, and at, at the end of the day, you know, the impacts were still there. I was still a drunk, right? I was still this freaking addict drunk. Guy. I needed to freaking deal with my addiction. And I went back out thinking, okay, well, I dealt with the abuse stuff. I can, I can go out and have a drink and, you know, go out and do this stuff normal because, but the reality is, is that, you know what, the damage was done and I was healed. Once the cucumber becomes a pickle, there's no going back to being a cucumber. And, and that was me. And, you know, and I needed to realize that. So then I needed to just go in and deal with, you know, really surrender to my addiction and recovery and, and uh, pay attention 
every day and and I've learned that you know like my recovery is practice I have to practice and the more I practice the better I get and that is what I know and I have to break it down and keep it simple and uh, you know I that's just what I have to do um, so you know to make sure I'm being the best I can be and and you know and I know sharing being able to share about the way we feel like I didn't just come out and was like a master at sharing nor am I a master at sharing now I think um, I've learned how to share the way that I feel over time and that just takes you know risks and just blapping it out there even you don't think you're making sense and whatever but I think you know for a long time I was so scared to share because I thought what I needed to share needed to be perfect and it doesn't like sharing about my feelings what I've learned is that it doesn't have to be perfect it just needs to be honest and it'll come as we get more recovery and as we stick around a little bit it'll you know we'll learn how to share a little bit more you know to the point of and get there but uh yeah recovery for me from day one has been practice and I think the biggest thing is not giving up and you know I mean you know I've been fighting this stuff since forever <laughs> since I was a kid and uh you know trying to get my life back on track and and I just think you know the biggest thing is is that we're worth it like I never in my life believed you know who would have ever looking back at Sheldon's career in the NHL or junior or whatever I was the troublemaker I was the gong show and uh, who would have ever thought that Sheldon Kennedy could have ever received an order of Canada or you know recently mentioned the order of hockey in Canada like that and I don't I didn't go out I did I haven't spent my life on a quest to to be you know to have those recognitions they are an absolute huge honor but I think that more than anything what they do is they represent hope they represent hope to those that don't feel that there's a way out of it out of the way that they're feeling at the moment and you know I've been there and I'm just if anything that should give people some hope to say you know what anything is possible and uh, and I think that those you know those recognitions basically are that you know is that piece of hope and I think that you know for me if I can represent anything to anybody uh, that's that's what I hope to leave them is, is you know hope that you know what it's never it's never that bad well, Sheldon, you you gave me hope, man. And even back when you were rollerblading across Canada, and I remember being in the dressing room in Swift Current, and um, your name's all over the walls back where it was back when I was there because of all your, you you just were crazy. You had a couple fifty goal, fifty plus goal seasons, two hundred plus point seasons. You know what I mean? Like it, it was really to hear that you say that you were a gong show. I mean, um, I was a gong show, and I had a, a I was not even very good. I was didn't even come close to your numbers. Um, if you were able to dial it in, man, like, holy, like, it, it might have been scary. But at the same time, Sheldon, like, I know my legacy is never, I always knew my legacy or my thing was never actually going to be playing the game of hockey. Um, uh, 
I just think that me playing hockey, even just to the level that I got to, even, you know, I made it really difficult on myself. I even in my first year pro, I started doing oxys and it was horrible and whatever. But um, even just getting to where I got to it, it allowed me to get to the platform where I am now and uh, getting to talk to people like you and, uh, you know, Doug McLean and Brent Sopel. And um, so for me, uh, I look at it as like that. Maybe that's why I played hockey. And uh, because now I have an opportunity, maybe that's why I went through hell. Uh, maybe that's why that happened to me. Uh, maybe, you know, maybe, you know, I just have to see the there's a there's another purpose for it all. Um, and I'm just trying to see that now. And, uh, you were, I mean, you were the, the very first one to stand up and be like, okay, this is what happened. And, uh, the courage, man, because, you know, uh, even now it's hard for me to talk about what I went through. And I mean, you, you, you're, was a lot more public, a lot more, and you, and I had nobody to look up to, or I'm sorry, you had nobody to look up to where I have people like you to look up to and be like, okay, he, he did it so I can do it. Like for you to be able to just do that on your own, man. Like I have so much respect and like, just like, I admire that, you know, like I truly, truly admire that. And I hope you know that man. And um, yeah, so for people that don't know, in 2014, you were named to the Order of Canada. And then you mentioned, uh, I believe it was supposed to be happening this June uh, 2020, uh, the Order of Hockey in Canada. That's pretty cool. I, um, you know, I mean, the Order of Canada is, is obviously the highest civilian honor as mentioned, but uh, the 20 to be in, you mentioned the Order of Hockey in Canada, that's pretty cool too. And I mean, it, obviously... Um, you're deserving of that, Sheldon. Uh, man, uh, you also won the Battle of the Blades. <laughs> what was that experience like? Well, you know what? It was an awesome experience, Brady, because I think, you know, we were speaking earlier. Uh, and, uh, you know, part of my part of my shame and guilt and just, uh, I was so, you know, and that's, the, you know, all these things that I took with me, I was so... I felt like I had, you know, they talk about losses in life, and I felt one of my losses in life was that I never gave myself a chance to be the best, to be my best. In junior, you know, in the NHL, it was just so disappointing that, uh, you know, I had such an opportunity, and people were giving me opportunities, but uh, I screwed them all up. And, uh, you know, and I always wondered, you know, what I could be, but whatever. This is who I am, and and uh, but those are things I needed to deal with. So I think the Battle of the Blades. I mean, you know, it gave me a chance. I mean, I, 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 I understand how important exercise is now for my mental well-being, and, and you know, so I, I train now. I'm probably one of the only guys I think is in better shape now than they than they were when they were playing. But uh, you know, Battle of the Blades <laughs> gave me a chance to actually prepare for something. I worked out hard. I, I for it and uh, you know Caitlin Weaver my partner and our choreo choreographer Julie Marcotte um, they were incredible uh, you know they they really taught me uh, and I'll talk about fear like I was like in I was so scared to dance and just to get out of my comfort zone but uh, it was it was a great experience I feel that it it was almost a it was one of those gifts that just kind of came out of nowhere 
you know, they call it otter god or whatever, right? And uh, um, came out of nowhere, and it was gave me a chance to prepare, to compete, and to see what that was like. And uh, it kind of closed that loop for me. And it was just a great experience. We had a great group of people, you know, Bruno and, and uh, Colton Orr and Gratton and, and uh, uh, Kessel and, and uh, Spooner, PJ, you know, we had a great. And then all the figure skaters were, were unreal and we were able to raise money. We, ra- we won 100 grand for, for Jumpstart. And, uh, you know, Brady, that was uh, something that, you know, I was 50 years old, so... I needed. I think the biggest thing I needed to do was uh, get stretching again. I didn't realize, you know, how what a long way it was to reach my toes. But uh, yeah, what a what a fun thing. I mean, <laughs> and in our family, I mean, my sister uh, made a career out of skating her whole life. Her and her husband were a pair team in Europe their whole life. So my mom grew up, you know, kind of running fall schools and stuff. So, and nobody ever in my life, like nobody, like my daughter. Nobody in my life today ever saw Sheldon play, like watched me play hockey or cheered for, you know, so it was always just the abuse stuff and, you know, and doing things like that. And, and uh, so, you know, it was exciting time and it was fun. And I think, you know, we have to make points. I had to make, I can get going, work and get the head down and just give her. And I forget to have fun. And I think the most important thing that the Battle of the Blades did was it gave me a break to focus on something and have fun and have some laughs, engage our family, uh, you know, and that's what we really did. And, and uh, yeah, it was just a wonderful experience. Really. Yeah, I can, I can only imagine Sheldon. I, you know, I, I watched you out there and um, I, I don't even like skating. I don't even like skating without a stick. Um, I, I actually hadn't been on the ice for five years. Um, I'll tell the story quickly. Um, you know, I hadn't been on the ice in five years and the, uh, Swift Current Broncos actually sent me a pair of skates when I got out of jail after two years, which was great. And, um, like a brand new pair of Bowers, like with my, you know, custom white tongues and all that. And, um, you know, and I never even really put them on or anything like that. Uh, and then, you know, I ended up, you know, I ended up in jail again and uh, I got out in November and uh, you know, I just decided like, you know what, enough is enough, you know, like I'm, I need to make a change. So, um, you know, yeah, I have a, my girlfriend, Taylor, her family lives up here in Muskoka and it's literally 30 seconds from a lake, like the walk. And I was up here all winter, but there's so much snow and everything. And uh, I had my skates, no gear, nothing. And I never even thought to go on the ice. Um, and then about about a month and a half ago or whatever, the snow was melting, but the ice was still good. And I was driving into town because we live on the outskirts of town. And um, we uh, passed the one lake, not the one that we live on. And I was like, man, if that lake looks this good, the lake we live on has got to be sick too. So I like, you know, I my face like lit up. Taylor's like, man, I never see you smile like that because we honestly haven't been together that long. She's pregnant. Uh which I've mentioned, uh, since she has two kids, we've been together for like six months, but, um, and like you mentioned at the beginning, uh, I get to kind of do it over again. Like I'm, I want to reconnect with my kids, but like you said, um, uh, I'm really looking forward to, uh, to having this baby and I'm just enjoying being around her kids. Cause, uh, Hadley and Lincoln are, are just, uh, really young, like 
she's going to be three and he's going to be two. So uh, we're going to be really busy. Um, but I mean, it's been fun. Uh, yeah, it's just, I don't know. I, I kind of got uh, distracted with where I was going with that. But the story is, is that I, you know, decided to put my skates on and uh, I ended up skating down my driveway because it was ice right down to the lake. And, uh, you know, and I skated and I felt, I said it before, I felt like Gordon Bombay yeah. and the Mighty Ducks when he decided to put the skates on. And uh, I swear to God, that's what I felt like. You know what I mean? I remember watching that video and being like, that guy's not even a very good skater, right? When he did that. And then I'm out there on the ice. I'm like, I'm not even a very good skater. No wonder he looks, you know what I mean? I'm like, actually, they had that scene right, you know? I'm like laughing, thinking to myself. And uh, anyways, uh, I in that moment, Sheldon, I realized that I need to uh, reconnect with the brain. game of hockey in some way, um, not necessarily play, but, um, you know, sh share my story because I'd started writing a book called Hockey to Heroin. And um, then I got this idea uh, just after I literally the day after I went skating for the first time um, to put um, to do a podcast. And uh, so I did. And it was just a quick 20 minute one. And then had one guest and you know, and that's how it started. And it's been three and a half weeks and I've never felt this good. And I know I have to stay vigilant and then know whatever, but I finally feel like I have a meaning and purpose outside of hockey. And I never even felt like hockey was my meaning and purpose. I just kind of felt like that was all I knew how to do, if that makes any sense. Um, but yeah, like, so do you kind of look at it now as, as much as the hell that you went through? I mean, it makes it, it makes us who we are. And now, now look at your story. Look at the incredible things you've done and you continue to do. Um, would you, you know, would you go back and change anything? Like, obviously, Sheldon, that's a loaded question. But you must be able to look yourself in the mirror and be like, Sheldon, I love you. Like, tell yourself you love yourself and be like, I'm proud. I'm proud of you. You must be able to do that today, well, right? I don't know. <laughs> I mean... You know, I I, uh, <laughs> I think that that's a tough thing, and I, you know, one of the biggest one of the biggest impacts that comes with, you know, whether it's addiction or you know abuse or all of the above is you know self worth, and you know I always struggle with self worth, and I think you know my priorities um, are to just you know try to do what's right every day when it's in front of me and try to make a difference. And, you know, and I think, you know, I'm not honestly Brady. I don't, don't do what I do for recognition, but I, but I realized early that um, people needed, needed my voice. And at the time it was basically my voice um, with the support of many other voices. And I think in today's world, there's a lot of voices out there. There's yours, there's, there's a lot. And I think that that is awesome. And, you know, and I think that, you know, I, uh, I don't know, change things, you know, I, I think if anything, kind of some things I struggle with is I wished I would have been able to play the game without the, what happened to me, uh, and gave myself a fair shake just to see. But at the end of the day, that those thoughts don't consume me anymore. That's just something I wished I able to do but on the other hand um we've been able to help some people and we've been able to make some change and uh and it and it was the platform through hockey that you know gave me that um 
Now, I don't wish anybody, uh, you know, I don't. I hope any nobody has to go through what what I went through or what you went through or many others went through. Um, not just in sport, right? This is a societal issue, but um, you know, I think you know, I think sometimes we are presented things in our life, and you some people grab it and go and you know and 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 others may not and i think you know when i told my story back in 1996 uh i felt i was the only one that this had ever happened to i had no clue how prevalent it was in our world um i received you know tens of thousands of letters from men and women and kids from around the world telling me their stories after my story broke and I realized that you know that uh, they're looking to me to be their voice so you know I was newsmaker of the year in 1997 in the Golden Mail and, and I looked down the list and that and there was you know there was Rick Hansen, Terry Fox, Gretzky, Lemieux, a bunch of prime ministers. And I'm thinking, I'm on this list. I'm like the 1997 Global Mail Newsmaker of the Year. I haven't even done anything. So I figured, frick, I'm going to put on a pair of rollerblades and go across the country. I've got to be able to make some noise. And, you know, we just we just went across and, and you know, we tried to give. And it just, we would get to, frick, at least 25 disclosures on a daily basis. And we stopped in every town and we had conversations in every town. And, you know, and I think, I don't know if I ever made a decision to say this is what I'm going to do, Brady. I think that people kept me, kept me in that position to do what I did. There was enough people asking for my help that came, kept me going. It wasn't just Sheldon. And, uh, you know, you do not do what we've done without a significant amount of help from people. And we've had some great people along the way that are that are willing to help and what i learned is that when you when you will do everything like when you help yourself there's many others that are there willing to help you as well and that's what i learned and you know for a long time i never helped myself i hurt myself and nobody was you know there was the odd person that was there but it scared people and i think that uh you know there's been a lot of people that you know, when they saw Sheldon starting to help himself and starting to climb out of the hole, um, you know, they were there. And, and that, that was huge. And that is huge. And to be able to let them in, um, you know, uh, I think was, was a major risk that I needed to take to be able to start living life. Well, you said that, you know, you were newsmaker of the year and you listed off all these names uh, and then said you needed to do something to make some noise. And I can understand uh, you having that feeling. Um, but let me just remind you um, that you were newsmaker of the year and you were newsmaker of the year for a reason and a good reason at that, Sheldon. Um, I don't care who's on that list. Um, you didn't need to rollerblade across the country. Um, you standing up and, you know, speaking the truth. And like you said, um, the people needed your voice because if you hearing that, um, you know, the disclosures that you, you picked up and uh, people that don't, maybe people don't know what a disclosure is. If I'm like, if like, like an incident report almost, is that 
what you're yeah people like a, almost like a basically like when somebody gets charged a police report somebody gets charged it's a disclosure of uh, a legal package of basically the events is right. that correct yeah, is that would... just in case people just in case people don't know or, or people sh might not know right um but you know just being able to have that people coming and, and sharing that with you think about how many people wouldn't have had the opportunity to tell their story or had the the strength to tell their story if you never did that. So, um, man, it's really, really incredible. And, uh, you know, there's times when, you know, I felt alone. I know you said you felt alone. I know I used alone always, um, or 95% of the time anyways. Um, but you know, did you feel alone when you were standing at, like, how did it feel when you first made that decision? I, I, maybe I asked it earlier, but like, really, like, how did it feel? I know the support was what must've been overwhelming and, and great, but, uh, at the end of the day, you still have to be alone with yourself. Right. And, um, how was that, uh, was, and how are you doing with that now? Because sometimes when the lights go off for me, man, it's, you know, I, I still struggle and obviously I'm new and in, new into this, but um, what's your advice for me or for maybe for anybody else listening yeah, that may I, be struggling? Well, for me, I was so used to my life. Nor normality for me was chaos and being in trouble and feeling terrible about myself. So when people were recognizing Sheldon, it was very difficult to accept, like to accept um, awards or recognition. That's what was most, well, that was so difficult. And I really, really had to work on acceptance because what was not normal for me was when things were going well and Sheldon doing okay. I mean, that was not normal. What was normal for me for many, many, many years was chaos and trouble and addiction and just all of it being, you know, so, um, and I hadn't, you know, I told my story, but I hadn't dealt with it. And those are two very different things. And, uh, and really, Brady, I didn't know how to listen. And I, I took on people's pain. And I, and it almost killed me. And, uh, you know, I would listen to those disclosures and the vicarious trauma that would come with that, uh, you know, time after time after time. Um, I didn't know how to deal with that stuff. But I just did what I thought was best. And, and um, you know, I've learned a lot. I mean, as you know, through recovery, I think we just learn a lot, and you know, and and but that's why we got to stay with it. Is that you know, and and I've learned a lot, and I also learned that, you know, and one thing that I've really learned is that the best way for me to help others is to find a way out of the chaos and the craziness and the self hate and the shame and the guilt and and live a healthy life. I mean, that is what people are looking for. And I can't just tell people to do it. I gotta, I gotta work hard to show people that you can do it too. And you know, this is what worked for me. And it's gonna take time. And give yourself a break. You know, don't be so hard on yourself. And and I think, you know, those things were important. And um, you know, and for me, I feel, and I finally have got to that point where you know, I feel that the best way I can contribute to carrying this message and for making a difference and for helping others is to make sure that I put myself first and foremost uh, and make sure that I'm 
I'm healthy as best as I can be. And it doesn't mean that I'm freaking perfect by any means. But, you know, I'm better than I was last year. And I'll probably be better than I am, hopefully, you know, in another year. And that's kind of the way I look at it. And, you know, and that takes time. But I think, you know, it's uh, it's been a blessing. You know, I, I just love being a father and being able to have that little fella and just being able to be sober and, and in a decent frame of mind and, you know, and to be able to have, you know, do what we do, be able to walk in and sit down at a meeting and have good conversations with people and help them along and organizations along to implement, you know, training around these issues. And, you know, we've, we've come a long ways and, you know, that has come from a lot of help from a lot of people, but it's also come from a commitment to, get my power back and to um, accept the fact that this happened to me and I feel the way I feel because of what's happened to me. Uh, and I also have a part in all of this that I lived a certain way and I hurt people along the way because of the way I was set up to live my life um, and the addiction and everything else that, you know, I had a part, I had to, I had to make amends. There was things that I've done that I'm not, proud of that I had relationships to mend with my daughter who's 24 who we have a very good relationship but I see the indirect impact that that it had on her as she watched her dad try to get sober and you know come through the angry phase and all of this stuff like you know it's real and that's what I know and so you know I think Brady it's you know we there is no quick fix to this stuff I think that, you know, what, I, what I've what i learned is that you know, what works for me every day, right? What works for me every day, and that will shift and morph as we keep going through this uh, journey of recovery, and, and, and that, you know, has been the best gift. And I could never understand early on, people say, oh, yeah, the fuck, I'm so grateful, and I'm like fucking sitting there ready to, you know, throw my coffee mug through the window. Um, but you know what? I do have a lot of gratitude. I have a, a lot of gratitude uh, for things. And I'll tell you what, there's good things coming in my life today because I'm trying to do the right thing. And for a lot of years in my life, nothing good came in my life. You know, nothing good. And, uh, you know, so that's what I like. And it's nice to be able to live this way. But I think we've got to hang around there until... A healthy way of living is the norm, but for a long time, you know, the crazy, the addiction, the always in trouble, the self-hate, the, that was normal, you know, so, you know, I needed to hang around long enough for the healthy way of living to be normal. Yeah, it it is such a process, like you said, and I've been struggling the last 10 years. I get clean for 11 months and relapse, get clean for six months and relapse, uh, go to rehab, go to detox, go to jail. I mean, I've done it all too. And, um, you know, I've been involved in the different programs and I know what works for me. I know what doesn't. Um, I think uh, meeting, even just meeting one person, talking with one person is so beneficial for me. I can only speak for myself. Um, but, uh, you know, um, somebody told me when I joined uh, one of the groups, which you're not supposed to talk about in the media, which I mentioned on my last podcast, but somebody said like something about turning it over to a higher power and God. And um, some people have a different understanding of God and different beliefs and, and everybody's entitled to that. And, and that's cool. Um, but for people that uh, don't, 
you know, or may have a problem with finding like a higher power or a God or believing in that kind of thing. Um, which I don't, and I'll be open with, I do, I have, I have a God of my understanding and that's my own belief. And I have no problem saying that, but for some people they don't believe in, but uh, as one of these old timers showed me, showed me that, you know, you can look at God as an acronym for a uh, group of drunks, G O D or group of druggies, you know, cause uh, the group is more powerful than you. Uh, like, uh, like G O D group of drunks or group of druggies, the acronym. So, um, you know, and it's, it's powerful when you get a group of people together that are like-minded trying to do the right things, trying to come together, uh, you, you know, your strength in numbers and, uh, it's so beneficial. I, I really appreciate you taking this this time, Sheldon. Um, I have this thing, uh, you know, where I ask if it's okay with you. There's a couple questions from uh, people on Facebook. I have lots, lots, but I'll just if it's cool, just ask a few. If you don't mind, uh, do you mind asking a, or answering a few questions? No, that's fine. Cool. Okay. Uh, Trisha Dean just wants to say. She says, "Hey, Sheldon, you've inspired me. You have lifted me up in so many ways. We are all here for you guys. That's for both of us. So thanks, Trisha. Um, this is a friend of mine. He says, Carson Grant, he says, I remember growing up in Swift, watching him and Sackick light up the league. Just let him know that he played a massive part in my love for the game. My old man brought me to all the games, and those two were the two I admired. What was it like to play with Joe? And what was it like playing in Swift, the city? Obviously not great behind the scenes. Well, I mean, Joe Joe's obviously a, a superstar and, you know, and a great, very good person. We lived together. Um, and Swift, I mean, you know, I still have very good friends in Swift. And we've spent a lot of time over the years back in Swift. And I, you know, if you look at Swift Current and what they've done and the way they've embraced the change, finally, um, for a long time, there was this kind of black cloud of Graham James and the, the abuse kind of hanging over Swift. But I think that there's been a major shift in, in you know, their programs at the city through former mayor and the current mayor, uh, um, safe places. And, and, you know, and it's about educating and try to create a confidence around these issues in their communities so that, you know, we can all keep our, keep our eyes and ears on this, on the street. But, uh, you know, I think that the, you know, I, I, I don't have any hard feelings towards Swift. Uh, we farm in Saskatchewan. I, I spend time in Swift current still today and, and I've got friends there, but, uh, you know, I remember playing there and, you know, it was quite a journey from the bus accident um, you know, which was, you know, a, a crisis and a, and a trauma all on its own, um, to win a Memorial Cup in three years with that group of people with the gong show that, of a coach that we had, um, was something else. And I'll tell you, um, you know, want to talk about impact, impact of that bus accident on people and that, uh, you know, even still today, um, you know, it was huge. So, um, yeah, I I, uh, I enjoyed Swift and, and you know I was always proud of Joe and I would see him succeed and just you know it was it was a good thing. Yeah, I mean he's obviously an incredible player. I know uh, he actually uh, I won the Swift Current Broncos Rookie of the Year in my rookie year and I'm on the same trophy as Joe, which is pretty cool. That kind of my claim to fame. Um, but uh, I mean. I'll be honest. I mean, talking to people in that town, Sheldon, people told me that you were a better hockey player. I'm not kidding. So, um, you know, again, I'm not trying to bring that up. We talked about that. You can't look at that, but I want you to know that like, you know, um, even you look at Joe Sackick, a 500 goal scorer. Yes. He's in the hockey hall of fame. Um, he's going to be remembered. And then that's great for his career. Um, and that, 
but you know, I still think uh, I look at somebody like you, Sheldon, the things you've done and, um, you know, your, your accomplishments are much greater than any hockey player or anything, man. Um, the, 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 I just can't even explain to you, man, that there's just no limit to the amount of people that you've touched. And, uh, there's just, I don't think anybody can really grasp it. I don't think, cause you'll never know because it'll just keep, you have really started, you know what I mean? You were the first one and this will be happening. And remember long after we're both gone, um, you know, and so it's really, it's really amazing. And, uh, you know, of course it's unfortunate for what had to happen for this to happen. Um, but that leads me into my next question from Gary Joyce, who did writing a piece uh, on me, sportsnet.ca comes out tomorrow morning. Um, he want, he said, what was it like to go back to Swift current for hometown hockey a few seasons back is hockey in a better place today with the protection of young players than it was in the eighties. Hey, Gary, how are you doing? I, uh, well, I mean, for sure. And I mean, this is not a hockey issue, but I mean, you know, hockey, I know in our country, uh, you know, has been training their coaches on these issues for a lot of years. Um, and it's been mandatory. And, you know, and I know in Ontario, all the parents need to be trained uh, and educated. And I think at the end of the day, people can say, oh, yeah, it doesn't make a difference. Well, I think it does make a difference. We've got some research that shows that it is. You know, one of our biggest challenges with these issues is that uh, there's bystanders. There's a lot of people that have a gut feeling that something's not right, yet we don't have the confidence to speak up and to talk and to ask questions about these issues because we're not sure if it is or if it isn't or what do I do. And our goal is to reach the 98% of really good people and try to give them a confidence. And I think hockey has kind of led the way in our country. I mean, just this year, it's been mandatory from Sport Canada that every coach an administrator have to have this pro this training uh, and that's taken 25 years <laughs> to get there but hockey we were training back in 1998 so I think hockey's in a way better place you know the, the junior levels uh, are in a better place does that mean we don't have room to grow I think that with these issues it'll always we can always get better we will always have to get better but I can tell you from the time that we first started talking about these issues Back in the day, and I remember, Gary, you wrote some stories back back in the day. Uh, nobody talked about this stuff. Nobody talked about it. No organization had these problems. You know, no, we're good. And, and now that's not the case. So, yes, we've made a lot of progress. We still have a long ways to go. Hockey, I believe, is in a way better place. Uh, I think they, they want to do, they want to make sure that um, – Every participant, every coach, anybody that's involved uh, is as uh, protected and as safe and they can enjoy the game um, for what it's worth. And I think that that's important because, you know, we also have to remember on the other hand of all of this that some of our best medicine for, you know, the, you know, the impacts of early childhood trauma, the science shows that being involved in sport and exercise is, is one of our best defenses. Uh, to deal with this stuff. So we have to make sure that um, we are creating that space uh, for all of those people and all of those young young people to stay engaged uh, in whatever sport it may be. Well, Sheldon, I, I, I tend to agree with you that, that sports is in a, in a lot better place. And that is directly because of you. 
and the work that you continue to do. Uh, again, you said there's room to grow, and I agree with you there too. There's always room to grow. Um, but, you know, I, I will say it again. I truly believe that, you know, <laughs> the I really don't know where we would be if, um, if you didn't uh, do what you did. And uh, I know it definitely um, made me feel better. Um, the fact that, it, you know, another hockey player that, you know what I mean? It, that, that was to me, um, I think, you know, yeah, I could, could go and talk to somebody about it or hear a story from somebody, but I can't, I can't say it enough uh, to, to hear it from a, you know, a professional hockey player um, that this can happen to anybody and that it's not my fault. Um, Y'all have no idea. Uh, how much that means to me, how much it means to me that you took the time to do this, Sheldon. Um, I would love to have you on again, uh, maybe sometime down the road or hopefully one day we can get together. And actually, I would love to meet you. Um, you know, uh, I don't know if you know this or not, but like when I first started the podcast, um, whatever, three and a half weeks ago, before I think I only had one guest on at that time, my friend from childhood who took a flyer on me, who I owe a Oh, this all too, really, because he's a scout for the Arizona Coyotes. And, um, you know, he hadn't talked to me in a few years. I could have been completely messed up and made him look like an idiot. And uh, I owe Kevin Peterson a huge thanks for, for being my very first guest. Um, but, yeah, it's just, oh, man, it's, uh, yeah, it's, Sheldon, there's, I tweeted that you, uh, you, Theron, and Kevin Stevens were my all time, like, if I could have three people in that order, it was you, Theron, and Kevin Stevens. And three and a half weeks later, here I am talking to you. And it's a dream come true. Um, and I mean that. Like, I'm a fan uh, of you as a hockey player from when I was a kid. And I'm a fan, more of a fan of the work that you've done and continue to do. And uh, now I consider you a friend. And that is a huge privilege and an honor, Sheldon. So thank you so much for doing this. Uh, I wish you nothing but the best. You're, you've been an inspiration to me. You will continue to be. Uh, have fun with your little baby. They grow up fast, as you know. Um, you know, thank Jen again for all her work on the front lines. And uh, hopefully the world comes back to normal. And uh, happy farming season. I know it can be trying out there. Uh, I were, I played with a lot of farm boys in Saskatchewan. And uh, I know that, you know, it's go time. It's uh, nose to the grindstone time. I know it's a lot of hard work, but I know it's going to, I know probably for you being out there, it's like being a, being at peace almost. I know when I'm out in nature up here in Muskoka or out on the ATV, that's when I'm really at my happiest. So um, I know you probably enjoy it. So I hope that you have a great harvest and all the best to you, Sheldon. And thank you so much for doing this. Thank you, Brady. And uh, you know what, man? Really proud of you. And just easy does it. And I know you hear that lots, but just, you know, just try to put, uh, just keep doing what you're doing, man. You know, keep having these conversations. I think it's critical. And uh, I'm so honored that uh, I could have this chat with you. You know, it's it's really important. It's important for me uh, to have this type of conversation. It, it, it's, uh, it's a good check-in. I need check-ins all the time. Thank you, Brady. And you know what? Just it's freaking. You know what? The gifts are abund are are abundant when we take care of ourselves and we put ourselves uh, in a good spot to receive them.
Yeah. Well, no, Sheldon, uh, like I said, man, there's really no words and I don't think y'all will ever fully understand how much this means to me. So thank you once again, all the best to you. And uh, I hope to talk to you soon. Awesome, Brady. Have a great day. You too, my friend. Thank you again. Bye. What an absolute thrill and an honor it was to talk with Sheldon Kennedy. He is such an incredible, incredible person what he went through to come out of it and to just be the voice of so many people across the world um, is incredible. I know he, he definitely gave me the strength and the courage to, to speak about what happened with me. And uh, man, there's just so many great things that this guy has done. It was, it was really a dream come true to be able to talk to him and uh, you know, I'm able to call him now and text him. Uh, what a thrill and an honor. So thank you so much uh, to Sheldon Kennedy for doing this. Uh, thank you everyone so much for listening. Please subscribe wherever you're listening. Please follow me on Twitter at Hockey to Heroin. Uh, don't forget to follow at HockeyPodNet. Uh, you can visit their website www.thehockeypodcastnetwork.com. Please be sure to check out Tales with TR, Terry Ryan's podcast. Uh, and don't forget, guys, to uh, check out uh, Tuesday morning, sportsnet.ca. Garrett Joyce's article will be coming out. Uh, I've just sent the new graphic for it, and it is amazing. Uh, we'll see um, how we, what uh, angle he uh, took with writing this story, but I'm excited for it. And at the end of the day, it's the truth, so uh, it really doesn't matter. Uh, I'm on the road to doing uh, good things, and uh, I'm happy to announce that I got a comment from... Uh, Matt Lezinski's mom saying what an honor it is to uh, have this studio named after him so uh, that is just great Matt Thompson called me and me and him talked about that and um, that's awesome so Maddie you won't be forgotten buddy um, everyone thank you so much uh, for supporting this uh, please keep listening uh, I have Dale Weiss coming up uh, Garrett Joyce uh, Dave Hunjack my old coach um, among others, guys, um, I'll keep you up to date. So thank you so much and uh, take care out there, guys.